Today on Indie Thinker, we'll answer the question everyone's asking, are we on the verge of World War III? We'll talk about that and more all on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. I want to jump into the topic today because we've got a good bit to talk about up front and we'll probably cut short our headlines because this thing that's going on in Ukraine, it has a lot of implications and I think it's worth discussing. But before I do that, I want to make sure you like, share, and subscribe because I want to let you know this Sunday on our guest show, we've got a, a pastor in the Ukraine that's right now helping people escape and providing refuge for those who are, who are running for their lives. And so it's going to be a great show. It's going to be packed full of information and really going to be helpful for you so that you can know what's going on there, but also so that you can pray. So make sure to like, share, and subscribe so that you'll be notified when that drops. And by the way, I want to say I'm no foreign policy expert as we jump into what we're going to talk about today, but over the past couple of days since this happened, I have taken the time to gain information from as many sources as I possibly can, and I've engaged a lot of the questions that are going on right now, uh, specifically from an ethical and philosophical perspective about what is going on in the Ukraine. So we're going to jump into all that today and then try to help come up with some satisfying fact-based answers about what's going on and then maybe some ways that you can think about uh, this whole Ukrainian invasion, World War III, and what are the implications of Russia gaining more power in the world. So we'll talk about all that and more, but before we do that, I want to make sure that you know that this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Element Funding. So as you can tell, gas prices are going up. Prices for just about everything are going to go up in the midst of this thing. So what you can do to mitigate against that inflation and against rate hikes that are definitely going to go up further than they already have, and they've already gone up, Rate hikes are coming in the summer. It's already been promised. So to fight against that before that happens, you can right now go to KevinBlairTeam.com where you can secure that beautiful white picket fence and that two-car garage just for you and your family. But you got to go now and you got to get pre-approved, which is totally free. So what are you waiting for? And then you can also get pre-approved for refinancing your home if you're in the process of doing that or even for a new home build or whatever it is that you're looking for. Kevin Blair team can help you. And even if they don't service your area directly, they can help you find an element funding in your area that does. So make sure to go over there at kevinblairteam.com today and let them know that you were sent by IndieThinker. So here's the big question. Are we headed to World War III? I can answer this question pretty easily. The shorter answer is no. Biden has promised that even if Americans are trapped in the Ukraine right now, that he will not send soldiers there. So he's not going to poke the Russian bear and send troops in there because he knows that this could potentially start World War III. So that's here's him saying that. What are your plans toward American citizens who are in Ukraine and might be there during an invasion? What scenarios would you put American troops to rescue and get Americans out? There's not. That's a world war when Americans and Russians start shooting at one another. So this means even under the most even under the most dire consequences, Biden is resolute not to take any action that would anger Putin. This means World War III is most surely not in the cards. No one, no one has a crystal ball, but chances are we're going to do little more than supply Ukraine with some missiles and stick with sanctions on Putin and Russia, and then that's it. And so we can all take a deep breath, turn off our favorite end time preacher and focus more on important things, at least in the present. So we can take some time to ask some more important questions like, does the U.S. have a responsibility to help the Ukraine? 
I think the answer to that question is yes, and I'll explain, but let me just first say, many on the conservative right have stated we have no business being involved in the Ukraine, saying we're not the world's police force, and that the Ukraine is not really a democracy, so there's no need to nation build there. By the way, some can question whether or not the U.S. is really a democracy or not, but nonetheless. But we do have to kind of just hear these routine nonsense claims, especially on the left, who claim that the West is a neo-colonial oppressive force and we have no right to say Russia is evil when we kill people all the time. Did Russia ever hold slaves? So the answer to that is yes. The historically illiterate left doesn't think so because they're so hung up on the 1619 Project. But not so long ago, in the 20th century, around 60 million people were killed under Stalin and many of those people enslaved to do what he said. So push aside the fact that Biden's son was picking up bags of cash from Ukrainian companies and may have an incentive not to go in. So do we have a responsibility to help out the Ukraine? Yes, because I believe that we set some of the predicate for what is going on right now in the Ukraine and perhaps could take place in other places. So under the present administration, we've weakened our military on the world stage by nonsense deals like the one with Iran, and we've withdrawn from Afghanistan, leaving behind terrorist regimes and millions of starving people, not to mention uh, millions of dollars of our own equipment. We've been pumping out woke ads for our military our, and, and we've taken our strongest force in America, and instead we've been using the military to target gay pride activists with two moms who joined the military just for self-discovery rather than calling upon people who love their country to fight for their country. We've also bragged about the promotion of a four-star general trans woman, and you can bet that there's pictures of that news article in the Kremlin right now around urinals so that people can pee on it and laugh at America as they do so. We've traded energy dependence for reliance upon Russian oil, and our president has screwed up everything that he's done, including the slowest and weakest rollout of sanctions against a dictatorship in my lifetime. So Biden had intel back in November that this was going to happen and then still didn't act until the day before this invasion. So whether we like it or not, our position on the world stage impacts the rest of the world. This is not being self-centered or selfish or anything like that. It is to recognize a fact that when we look bad, it gives credence to dictators. Even though Biden has, has been so slow with sanctions as to welcome this Ukrainian invasion, it still needs to be said. Putin, yes, is to blame for what's going on here. Biden didn't do it. But he has set the predicate for stuff like this to happen. And although I know it's being said a lot lately, I think it's worth questioning. Why didn't this happen under Trump? Why was Putin never going to invade the Ukraine under Trump? Well, you could say that's because he was a Russian cat's ball, but that's been so hackneyed and so tired and been proven to be totally false that I think we have to come to the other conclusion there, that Putin has, has been welcomed to do this kind of stuff because of the Biden administration, whereas Trump was more resilient when it came to foreign policy. I think that is a non-negotiable obvious fact. So do we need to act militarily? Do we need to send troops out there? I don't honestly think we're at that place yet. And maybe we'll explain that a little bit further as we get into some of our headlines today. But I do believe we have a responsibility to act, to help out, simply because we have the power to do so. Um, and this is something that meets that burden. But I've been asking another question from a Christian perspective. So not only do we have the responsibility to help out, but do we have the moral obligation to help out? Now, I think we need to be careful anytime we take scripture and make it universal commandments for governments and militaries rather than individual commands. However, there is a threshold argument here. Once evil passes, passes a th certain threshold, 
and it's within our power to do something about it, shouldn't we? Christians should have and did stand against slavery in the 1800s. Christians now should use every tool that is within their law and their governments to stand against the murder of millions of babies every single year. In this case, the real question is one of degrees. Because let's face it, if you're not really concerned about what's going on in the whole world every second of every day and asking for the U.S. to be involved in everything that happens, then we need to be a little bit logically consistent here. So the real question is, is does what is happening in the Ukraine rise to the level of Christian command? So I'll be the first to say, I don't know, but we can't pretend that this is on level with one person being held captive overseas or even 100 Christians being bombed on an Easter morning service in Pakistan. We're not talking about either of those things. We're talking about probably 50,000 in Kiev alone that will lose their life. And who knows how many when all this is over. I encourage you to look at mothers holding shotguns in one hand and a baby in the other while they're fleeing for their lives, while their husbands stay behind to defend their country and almost surely die. And then tell me that we do not have any Christian responsibility at all in the Ukraine. Clips like this. And you guys over there in the world, the world leaders, you are just watching this happening. Sanctions is nothing. Please protest, simple citizens. Please put pressure on your on your governments, on your presidents. Please let them know that you care. Because if the war so easily started here in Ukraine, in the heartland of Europe, very soon the war will not at your door. So does this mean we send in troops? I hope not, but also, I'm also not prepared to suggest that we can idly sit back and pretend that we don't live in a much smaller world than we think. If COVID didn't show us that, I don't know what will. So to pretend that that's over there, we don't have to worry about it is a little bit foolish. At the end of the day, we can sit back on this one and be concerned only with our gas prices and pretend that Putin isn't a threat to me and my family. But what happens when he attacks the, attacks the next country and the next country and the next country? Will we still pretend it's not a threat to us and that, the, that it's not a threat to the greater global community? Or will it be too late to realize that tyranny unopposed is permission? At some point, we must finally wake up to the fact that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And therefore, I think we do have a Christian responsibility to pray and then to urge our political class to act and do something here. I like to use this argument because I believe it is something that needs to be said. If there is a child in the next house over being raped and we don't do anything about it because we say something like, oh, well, I need to take care of my own home and it's none of my business what is happening over there. And if I can't take care of my own backyard, then I shouldn't be bothering what's going on over there. That makes you, if not ignorant and negligent, evil. Everybody knows that we have a responsibility to our neighbors. So what's the real question? So the real question here is, who is our neighbor? We can easily see that the person next door is our neighbor because they live so close in proximity. But is proximity the thing that really determines whether or not a human life has value? I think the answer to that is no. Therefore, I believe we have a moral obligation when we see travesties rise to the level of what inevitably will happen in the Ukraine for Christians to stand up, to pray, and to let their voice be heard. But we'll keep on jumping in to this idea as we look at some of our headlines. Let's do that now.
So I'm sure by now you realize that celebrities have come out of the woodworks to respond to this Ukrainian crisis. Some of that legitimate, maybe some of it not, and we'll get into the less legitimate, but I believe it's worthwhile to, in, in jumping into some of those responses. Among them is Daily Wire's Matt Walsh, who will never be called by me sweet daddy and should never be called by any man sweet daddy, by the way. So now Matt thinks we should be fully concerned uh, about what's going on in our local shopping mart and with uh, shopping carts, but not what's going on in the Ukraine. I agree with Matt so much, it pains me to say that I think Matt is mostly wrong here. His stance on the US's involvement in the Ukraine is, I think, a little short-sighted. So to be fair, Matt isn't only deeply concerned with shopping carts here, he is deeply concerned with, I think, a legitimate argument. But let's jump into that argument a little bit. So I've heard him multiple times discuss what he calls a slippery slope argument. How it's a slippery slope to defend a foreign country that does not have the power nor the will to defend themselves. So he asks, should American parents have to send their sons to die for Ukrainian citizens? And why should we spend trillions of dollars on foreign wars? Well, how about we go to the actual oath taken by enlisted soldiers, which says, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend our Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Or we could speak to those soldiers who would largely tell you that they are glad to risk their lives to defend the helpless like those in the Ukraine. Do we really want a group of soldiers that would do anything other than that? I mean, I've heard Matt critique the recent woke military commercials uh, that we just talked about at the intro to the show with the the gay pride activist with the two moms that's about self-discovery rather than freedom. Our soldiers have stereotypically been the type who would say, my life for yours, and that's what makes them heroes. Now, it should be stated that no one is calling for American forces to be sent yet. So the real question is not, should we help? It's clear, I think, that we should. The question is, to what degree? And what degree will determine whether or not we actually send our sons and daughters over to the Ukraine. So I think it's a question that needs to be had and is not so easily brushed away by mere isolationist conservative, which I would call quasi-conservative, comments, because I'm not really sure that the historical conservatism that, that I've grown up with and am used to would say some of the things that I hear conservatives saying now and be deeply isolationist. So suffice to say, I think that there is no question as to whether or not we should help. The question is, is do we involve our military forces? And then I think we have a nuanced discussion there with at what point in time do we have to say, yes, this is a time for us to make good on that oath. And whenever we see something that truly is a threat to democracy, even if it's in the Ukraine, um, and I mean democracy writ large, the idea of democracy, the fact that Tyrants can go in unopposed and take over whatever they want. And then only when they cross our borders will they finally be a threat. And then us realizing that it may be too late at that point in time to realize that that's a threat. But there are other way less thoughtful takes on what's going on in the Ukraine and the responses people are having to them. So the first one I have to show you is a 9021 actress who thought that she could end Putin simply with poetry. Here's that. Dear President Vladimir Putin, I'm so sorry that I was not your mother. If I was your mother, you would have been so loved, held in the arms of joyous light. Never would the stories plight the world unfurled before our eyes, a pure demise of nations sitting peaceful under a night sky. If I was your mother, the world would have been warm 
so much laughter and joy and nothing would harm. I can't imagine the stain, the soul-stealing pain that the little boy you must have seen and believed and the formulation of thought quickly taught that you lived in a cruel, unjust world. Is this why you now decide no one will get the best of you? Okay, so look, I think the truth is, is that if that woman was Putin's mother, I think we know what would happen. Putin would be wearing a dress or Putin never would have had the chance to wel be welcomed into the world because he would have been aborted. Now, some people wish that had happened. Uh, this goes back to the whole argument of should we have killed Hitler if he was a baby, if we could time travel and the ethics behind that. But since we're not going to jump into that at all today, I think suffice to say the one thing that we can come away with from this recitation of beautiful poetry is this one simple fact that right now the this 90210 actress's attempt to stop Russian soldiers has temporarily been effective because right now they are dying with laughter. So crisis averted. But don't worry, it doesn't stop there. We've got Joy Behar of The View coming to give us her hot takes on how this Ukrainian crisis and even COVID has disappointed her vacation plans in Italy. So here's that. Well, I'm scared of what's gonna happen in, in Western Europe too. Yeah. You know, you just, you plan a trip, you wanna go there, I wanna go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of, of uh, the pandemic and now this. Now look, I understand. We can be really, really rough on The View because it is the repository of all things ridiculous. And I mean, that is their, like, their marketing strategy, right? To say the most ridiculous things that hopefully people only who are drinking wine in the middle of the day could actually entertain. I mean, that is their business plan. But this one deserves a little bit of heat, right? So we're supposed to be concerned about whether or not Joy Behar can go to Italy because of what's happening in Europe right now for Joy. Now, I'm gonna be a little bit charitable here more than I've heard other people talk about this thing and just say, I think what Joy is trying to say here is that there are residual consequences, there are repercussions outside of what is happening in the Ukraine. However, it's still stupid. Yes, there are repercussions, and about the lowest one on the list is whether or not Joy Behar can go to Italy or not. No one cares. And it shows how out of touch these women are. I hope that stuff like this will help people uh, finally absolutely tune these people out, but I think probably little chance of that ever happening. But the one thing that we can take away from this is for those of you who realize that The View is full of a bunch of woke idiocracies, then we can at least do this. We can speak out when we hear stuff like this and let people know that it's okay to call a spade a spade here. And when somebody is worried about their Italian vacation while mothers and children are risking their lives to flee, I, th I think we need, <laughs> I think we need to say, do better. All right, so, and then the last one here uh, is Tucker Carlson, so I'll show you that. What is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? Did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is he teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he making fentanyl? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. There are times where I just think, oh God, I can't believe you just said that. And this is quite honestly one of those times. Um, and I'm gonna, 
I may sound a little too charitable here, but I'm just going to tell you what he's actually saying here is that there should have been some outrage for what took place in China. There should be some outrage for the way in which China is shipping fentanyl to the United States. But yet we find very little of that and we find a whole lot of outrage for Russia and what they are doing. Now, I, I, I think that there is a point there that if you're going to be intellectually honest, you have to be willing to say, Let, let's consider why. We have been way less, you know, way less ready to jump on to uh, criticism of China, sanctions of China, eliminating China from world trade in the midst of the spying that they're doing, the stealing that they're doing, and so, so many other things. And of course, we know there's corporatist interest, and that's all Tucker's saying. Tucker isn't saying that Putin's a great guy and that I support Putin and that we shouldn't be against anything that Putin does. So the idea on the left is that Tucker Carlson is a cat's paw of Russia, of course, because we've never heard that talking point ever in our lives before. So if the Durham report weren't enough to kind of help you understand the modus operandi of the left, the mode of operation on the, on the left, then hopefully we can at least understand Tucker in context and then we can still step away from that and just say this. Tucker may have never called me, or, or sorry, Putin may have never called me a racist. Putin may not be enacting woke policies in the United States. Putin may have not sent the COVID virus our way via a supposed, of course, this is a rumor, right? Because we don't want to be canceled from social media or YouTube. A rumor that it was leaked from a lab, which even former CDC members are saying is quite possibly what happened. Uh, but anyway, still just a rumor, right? Uh, that we shouldn't be saying anything about that, but that we should be just all concerned about Russia. I think I think the answer is both. And I, and I don't know what Tucker would say about that because I don't care whether or not Putin's called me a racist. What I care about is the fact that he is now attacking innocent men, women, and children. And for that reason, I'm against him. So I think that's where we should be on this whole thing. Um, so I, I understand what Tucker is saying, but I think it's a bad take yet again. But here's the most important thing I think to remember through all of this, because let's bring this to a personal level. We can virtue signal right now through our social media and through the things that we say about the Ukraine and all that. So we can use these people's pain to make ourselves feel better and to feel righteously indignant about what's going on. And we can do this on the right and the left, but it should not keep us from also thoughtfully responding on social media and from uh, engaging in deep conversations about this and from digging into what's going on in the Ukraine to become as informed as possible so that we can so that we can pray the kind of informed prayers that we need to pray right now with what's going on there. So here's what I would say is that we all have to be careful about the way that we respond to this to make sure that we're not doing so from a selfish perspective, which by the way, is generally the reason that I'm against protesting because protesting typically has to do more with proving something to yourself than actually real change if you're not careful. But nonetheless, protest still is a hallmark of American democracy. So protesting is good, but the reason that you're doing it is better. And you have to have a clear stated goal and stated reason for protesting. And I would say the same thing is true about responding right now to what's going on in the Ukraine. If you're gonna do it to display your poetry chops, if you're gonna do it to complain about your vacation, and if you're gonna do it just to point out hypocrisy on the left or the right, I think we're missing an opportunity to really, really pinpoint some truths that can help us undo some of the wokenization of our culture right now. Because right now we have a clear opportunity to look at the world from a non-utopian 
communist, cultural Marxist lens. We can now see very clearly evidence right in front of our eyes that it doesn't matter how woke you are. It doesn't matter how much you declare systemic racism. There are real threats in the world and that our prosperity is rotting our brain. We are so busy biting and devouring one another that we cannot see true threats. And right now we have a clear opportunity, if we're willing to accept it, to see that the radical transgenderism that means to undermine uh, biological, which you don't even have to say because it's just flat obvious, biological uh, dimorphic uh, sex within, within the human mammalian species. When we have woke our ads from our military, when we have diversity, equity, and inclusion that's been proven not to be effective, when we have all of these woke things, uh, and I have to add Black Lives Matter to it too, which desperately wants to destroy the nuclear family at a time where divorce is at an all-time high and at a time where fatherhood in black communities is at an all-time low, single parenthood at least, uh, over 70% in the black community. All of these things should help us realize there are real threats in America. And I hope that right now what we can realize is we can get over this infantile, immature, utopian vision that's been thrust upon us by the woke and we can wake up to certain realities that if we don't get back, we will continue to see the unraveling of our society which places us in a weak position in the rest of the world and makes us susceptible to what's going on in the Ukraine. Well, that's my two cents on that, but I can prove it to you with my next article. So here's that. So Zelensky has called on citizens to take up arms. So right now the Ukraine is dispersing 18,000 guns and more to citizens who are willing to volunteer their efforts to keep Russia, Russian soldiers out of their borders. Now this comes at a time where in America right now, we're having a continual gun debate, blaming inanimate objects as much like we do with systemic racism, as though systems are racist and not the people that create them. We're blaming inanimate objects, guns, for school shootings and the like. Now I encourage you to go back and look at one of the episodes that I did just recently and to look at uh, the episode, I believe it's called, We Need Good Parents, Not Gun Control. And, and, and to look at the statistics that I lay out there a well, in a well-researched way, if I do say so myself, a well-researched way that shows that yes, America is the number one country for gun ownership, but they are far, far down on the list in terms of gun violence. But nonetheless, the point is simply this, is that right in front of our face, we're seeing evidence for why guns in the hands of citizens can be a good thing. We are so spoiled in the West that we don't think that tyranny will ever come knocking on our door. But hopefully we're waking up to the reality that we may not be so much different than the Ukrainians. We've built up a system here in America that is truly excellent. You can also go back and look at my American exceptionalism video where we have people in America attacking America at a time where we hopefully realize more than ever before that the system that we've built here in America, although eroding more and more and more all the time, is robust and powerful and incredibly useful for resisting the kind of things that are happening right now in the Ukraine. One of those things is the Second Amendment, the right to own guns. The reason that's in our Constitution is for that very reason that we're seeing in the Ukraine, that when tyranny comes knocking, 
It is the personal and individual responsibility, not just merely to rely upon your safety in the hands of the military, but also to take your safety into your own hands. Because what if the military is overwhelmed? What if somebody comes for your kids and there's no military around? You better be ready to fight for your kids. And so here we have right in front of us, evidence, proof positive, that the Second Amendment has a purpose and that the Second Amendment is a natural right and a natural good that each and every one of us should defend. Now, I don't know that the woke left is gonna concede right now in the midst of this, but hopefully we can at least admit that, hands, that guns in the hands of citizens in the Ukraine right now at this point in time is perhaps one of the only and last stop gaps against what's happening there. So, nonetheless, I think along with this, we'll see that Americans and other countries are gonna to continue to send arms into the, uh, into the Ukraine to help with this. So it's funny to me that many on the left are gonna decry gun usage, but right now we're sending guns into the hands of citizens in the Ukraine. So apparently only Ukrainians can defend themselves. Uh, Ukrainian citizens can defend themselves with force, but not Americans. So nonetheless, I hope that we can see throughout all of the things that we're talking about today that prosperity is good and I love it, trust me. I can't wait to go see Batman and I'm glad that I don't have to duck in, uh, into a bunker at any point in time this weekend, but beyond that, I, I hope we can just see principally speaking that gun usage and responsible gun ownership is an ethical good. Forget the, the emotional talking points and let's get to the truth. All right, and we'll do that in our final headline about Elon Musk. So on Twitter, the vice prime minister added Elon Musk and said this, while you try to colonize Mars, Russia tried to occupy Ukraine. While your rockets successfully land from space, Russian rockets attack Ukrainian. Civil people, we ask you to provide Ukraine with Starlink stations and to address sane Russians to stand. Elon Musk responded to this by saying, Starlink service is now active in Ukraine. More terminals en route. So not only is this a reminder that Elon Musk is the coolest dude on the planet, and that Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas herself is a complete moron. But this is a reminder too that Elon Musk essentially is Iron Man, like the Starlink satellite. And like, I don't even know what this technology is, but I, I suspect that it has something to do with internet technology from satellites being, um, uh, being pumped into the country, like so not through landlines and not through any like electrical grid, but actually from outer space, like shooting internet down to the Ukraine. I think that's what this technology is. Uh, but suffice to say, uh, beyond just the fact that he is essentially Iron Man, um, I, our society has tried to cancel Elon Musk countless times. Now, he's uncancelable, right? Because we absolutely need somebody like him, and he's proving yet again why uh, we shouldn't be canceling Elon Musk. But sincerely, I just simply wanted to throw this headline up, not only because it has to do with the Ukraine, but also because it shows that Americans building, Americans stepping out, Americans being bold and not being stopped and thwarted by the government is a social good for the rest of the world. So I want to wrap up our headlines just by simply saying this. This is what I don't get about the isolationist left or right. It's not that we're prideful to say that America is exceptional or that America is great or that if America has some type of existential threat that it is a problem for the rest of the world. Because people say this, you're like, why do we think America has such a prominent role in society? Why are we so important? It's an unfortunate, I guess, for some, um, and fortunate reality for others like myself, that 
we are a great nation and we do have a role to play in the world stage. So the best thing that we can do is quit the mutually assured destruction mode, which quite frankly happens more on the left than on the right. Uh, but, but just to be fair, let's say it happens on both sides. And let's get back to this reality. Truth matters. And the truth should be the thing that wins at the end of the day. Not emotional talking points, not weaponized empathy, not you say my pronouns or else you're a bigot. Let's get back to truth, guys. And the truth is Elon Musk right now, as a, as a private citizen who has built his wealth, yes, with a little bit of help from the government, but he already paid that back, by the way. Um, he has built something that is a good for the rest of the world and right now is changing the game for Ukrainians in a time of crisis. So Elon Musk, you demand, and we'll continue to support you. And those who don't, shame on you. All right, let's jump into our final headline of the day. All right, let's jump into our final segment of the day, Christianity Not Today. So at a time when others are fleeing the sound of gunfire, there are organizations like the SGA, the Slavic Gospel Association, that are going into the fray. And so here's a headline from the Christian Post talking about what the SGA is doing right now. Ukraine's health minister announced Saturday that at least 198 civilians, including three children, had been killed by Russian soldiers. Among the hundreds of civilian casualties were a six-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl. The, quote, real figures are considerably higher, end quote, as officials assessing the situation have yet to come confirm other reports. The UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs said, according to Axios. So the SGA, the Slavic Gospel Association, is supplying water, food, winter clothes, blankets, and medicines for thousands of at-risk people, including orphans, abandoned children with special needs, the elderly, those uprooted by the conflict, and marginalized ethnic groups. So this Illinois-based group, SGA, said it was prepared to provide 175,000 meals through its partnering with a network of more than 2,300 Ukrainian and Russian pastors, including more than 40 churches in the eastern Ukraine, where the fighting is most intense. The need is only growing. More than 120,000 people have fled Ukraine since Russia's invasion and the largest ground war in Europe since World War II. All right, so about 50% of Russia's military force is in the Ukraine right now, uh, taking over this country. So who knows what that death toll is going to rise to. But in the process, we're going to see great things happen, like the SGA going in there to rescue people. And so I wanted to bring this story up to you to kind of give you those numbers to show you the, the casualties, but then also to show you the help that's given, but, but then also to shine a little bit of silver lining in the midst of all of this. The reason I do this show, the reason I like to speak about these things is that it gives me the opportunity to put skin in the game, to not just even say that I'm praying, although we underestimate the power of prayer very often. Um, but I think if we're not willing to put skin in the game and only pray when we can put skin in the game, hopefully that makes sense, when we can put skin in the game and we only sit back and pray, well, then it might be possible that those prayers or superficial, or at least not as effective as they could be. So here's the point. We have the opportunity to uncover and look into what's going on in the world through this podcast and to bring to your attention things like the SGA, the Slavic Gospel Association, that Illinois-based group that right now is bringing hundreds of thousands of meals to people in need and bringing clothes and blankets and helping people escape. So 
it is my honor to, op to give you the opportunity to assist other places like that. And you'll see down below a description, uh, in the description of this, of this episode, you'll see a, a way that you can connect with those guys so that you can provide resources to them. And then furthermore, I'm gonna have on this Sunday, our guest is gonna be a Ukrainian pastor that right now is housing and helping people escape this crisis. So here's the deal. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of bickering back and forth about our, amongst ourselves here in America in a way that I think is substantive, by the way, I think we should be reassessing the way that we're approaching culture in the West to realize conquistadors still exist. The, the, the violent enemies outside of our four walls are still in the world. And we need to get back to things that will help us not only recognize that, but also fight against those things rather than fighting each other. And again, I, I bring you back to the one thing that may be polarizing, that may be difficult, but is inarguable. And that's the truth. The truth about gender roles, the truth about marriage, the truth about, about faith and religion and its place in the American West and, and the undermining of that and how it will unanchor us in such a way that we will be drifting off to sea and that we will no longer understand virtue, that we will no longer understand truth, and that we will no under, longer understand what really truly matters. We will no longer understand what freedom looks like. I could go on and on the list, but the, the idea is just simply this. We've, we've pulled up the one anchor that would keep us rooted. And now that we're wandering, fighting amongst ourselves, bickering back and forth, can't even decide what a man or a woman is anymore in America, we find ourselves unmoored by what's going on in the Ukraine and asking ourselves, what if Russia comes knocking on our doors? What do we do? Now, like I said at the front of this thing, I don't think that, that that's a possibility, at least for now. Now, it certainly could be in the future. But it nonetheless gives us a great opportunity to use this crisis as an opportunity to come back to the thing that really, really matters. To come back to faith, come, to come back to truth, to come back to an inarguable standard that we can all agree upon that will help us wrestle with the issues of our time and the issues of our day. We need an anchor that will root us into something that is permanent, something much deeper than woke ideology, cultural Marxism, and partisanship. We need truth. So I don't care if it's on the right or the left. I just want truth. And so with that being said, the truth is, is that in the midst of this crisis, we can step up, we can put skin in the game, and we can do something about what's going at least going on in the Ukraine, at least in our own little way. So once again, that stuff will be down in the description of this video. You can also support the pastor that's going to be coming on this Sunday by tuning into that episode. There'll be a description um, for that episode as well and a place where you can click a link to support that guy once you hear all the great things that they are doing. But here at Indie Thinker, we got skin in the game. We're not just willing to talk. We're not just willing to back and forth. We're not just willing to say, well, my opinion. No, we're going to step forward. We're going to present action because when we come down to it at the end of the day, Christians are the ones who run into the gunfire when everybody else is going the opposite way. Now, I'll go on a little bit further on record and just say, I don't want to just eliminate that reality from those who are not Christians to and right now doing it in the Ukraine. But I'm just going to tell you, Stereotypically, throughout history, those who have been willing to lay down their life for the sake of another. That John 15, 13. Except a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it cannot live. The one who has set the predicate for, uh, uh, for, for us in the Christian community, 
is Jesus, who laid down his life for those he loves. It's those of us who are Christians who can follow suit and lay down our life, whether it be sacrificially through giving, sacrificially through defending, even in a physical way. It's Christians who know this all too well and are doing it right now. So they deserve to be recognized and they deserve to be rewarded. So I hope you'll check that out. But more importantly, I hope we can come back to really reassessing the role of faith and the importance of truth in our lives as a society. We'll jump into that huge obstacle the next time we have a show. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.